0: Then, children of the night, what music they make. They're coming to get you, Barbara. they here. Ah. Welcome to my nightmare. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Oh, no! I'll kill you all. Do you want to die tonight? You don't know what death is. We belong dead. Here's Johnny. <laughs> home. I shot him six times. I'm on your butt. Thanks for your life! <laughs> <laughs> to a new world of parts and monsters.
1: How are you? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Pods and Monsters. My name is Robert, and with me, as always, is Inthia. Hello. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We are a monster movie podcast. We review monster movies and talk about them and learn a little bit about the history through fun facts. So come along with us as we talk about tonight's movie. And what movie is that, Inthia?
2: The Terminator.
1: The Terminator, yes. They come from another time. A machine wrapped in flesh. A soldier from a distant war. Both after a woman who holds the key to the future. One wants to kill her. The other must protect her.
2: I'm here to help you. You've been targeted for termination.
1: The Terminator. Your future is in his hands. The
0: Terminator. Rated R. The number one movie in the USA is now playing
2: everywhere.
1: So 1984's The Terminator. It's the 35th anniversary of The Terminator. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Since I was a little kid, it has always been one of my favorites. I was a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Oh. And I still am. I love all of his movies. Well, I can't say all of them, I don't know about Junior. But <laughs> how dare you?
2: I enjoyed Junior. Well,
1: but the Terminator franchise has always been one of my favorite franchises. In fact, this year there is a new Terminator movie that just came out mm-hmm. Terminator Dark Fate, mm-hmm. I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. So, Terminator, I grew up with it, saw it a lot, always loved it. How about you?
2: I've enjoyed it. I usually enjoy the movies, even the ones that everyone seems to hate. And, uh, yeah terminator do you know it pretty well i mean i think so so i wrote down that a man is sent back in time to protect the like mother of the resistance as a killer cyborg is sent back in time to kill her and then hilarity ensues
1: (laughs) that's pretty much it with that let's talk about the terminator and go through the picture
2: Well, I nailed it, so I don't know why we're going to talk about it.
1: All right. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed Pods and Monsters. All right. So 1984's The Terminator.
2: So our movie opens in Los Angeles 2029 AD.
1: That's only 10 years from now.
2: That is only 10 years from now, which is bonkers. So it's Los Angeles. There's a lot of like whirring noises and lasers and it's very, it's nighttime.
1: Lots of skulls.
2: Oh, so many skulls that are being crushed by machines. And we get some wonderful booming music and it Mm -hmm. almost reminded me of Inception's booming music.
1: Yeah, it's similar to that. This music is done by Brad Fidel, I believe his name is. Great score.
2: Oh, it's so good. Even though it is very outdated at points uh, later on when there's a chase scene, I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be so techie, but it is so bad. We get some text that gives us context to what we're about to go into.
1: The text says the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought
2: here. In our present. Tonight. Which is weird because this movie doesn't just take place this one night. It starts tonight. Yeah. And it rolls into our opening credits. Computer font galore. I love it.
1: I remember as a kid, I used to dread these opening credits.
2: Why? Because I wanted to get on with the movie. They
1: lasted too long. But...
2: They're very long, but they're done so well. And it's the letters to the Terminator crossing each other. And uh, it's like transparent. And when you finally do get that, you get like the music just kind of swells. and
1: Yeah, you get the great Terminator theme.
2: Oh, it's so good. that dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So now we're in the present, which happens to be los angeles in 1984 it's also 2 a.m well just before 2 a.m there's a garbage truck and it shorts out it's then kind of consumed or not consumed but surrounded by an electrical storm um and I, the oh, I love this garbage man so much because his voice sounds so far away and so incredibly calm i've
1: always liked him too and he has a cigar in his mouth <laughs>
2: But he just he says the same thing over and over again and I love how he says what the hell like that and then but then he takes off running what the hell the voice <laughs> yeah. does not match the actions
1: in Terminator Genesis they reshot the opening, because remember they used the young Arnold in that one, mm-hmm. so they recast the garbage man to a look-alike that looks a lot like the guy wearing oh, wow. the same clothes, and he says, "What the hell? <laughs> <laughs>
2: what the hell?" So there's the electrical storm. He takes off running, and we see Arnold. And at this point in the film, we don't know that he's a machine. So this is the problem with growing up with this movie. Yeah, we all know he's a machine because we've grown up with this movie. This movie's 35 years old. so, But I tried to really step back and let the movie really wash over me, you know? Yeah,
1: but audiences of the time, if they saw the trailer, they would know he's a machine. Oh, really? Yeah, because the trailer basically gives the story away you know what it is Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator you know yeah so the little orb appears and then Arnold is there kneeled down in the nude
2: he is he's a nudie patootie he's incredibly smooth looking Mm -hmm. and he really does make a good flesh-covered machine.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Arnold is perfectly cast in this picture.
2: I think so as well. It's so good. So he is at the observatory, the Griffith Park observatory. Here we meet a couple of punks.
1: My turn.
2: Um one of them played <laughs> by Bill Paxton.
1: Bill Paxton.
2: R.I.P. And so
1: much. The blonde guy is Brian Thompson, who was in a few episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
2: Yeah, I said um, the dude that's always evil. He's always evil in anything he's
1: in. He's been in a few things, too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else he's been in, but I know him from Buffy. Uh, he was in the first episode and the second episode of Buffy playing Luke, the vampire. Yeah. <laughs> and he played the judge in season two. Big Buffy fan here.
2: <laughs> and a third guy.
1: Yeah, I, I just know him as the guy that is wearing arnold's clothes <laughs>
2: <laughs> um i do love that part of bill paxton's punk look is the tire yeah, the tire print down his face he got run over by a car i don't, but it instantly reminded me of biff or is it griff for, oh from the future yeah from back to the future too yeah, yeah. i think his name is griff right I think, I think so it's like i'm like oh he would totally be perfect for his gang <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: Let's give him some 3d glasses oh that's in the 50s i
2: guess <laughs> Don't cross the the timelines, man. So Arnold demands their clothing.
1: Well, first he walks up. Frontal nudity. Uh Uh-huh. Did you catch his wiener? No. Yeah, you could see his wiener flipping and flopping. But...
2: (laughs) No, I did not catch that.
1: I, I love this scene. I quote it pretty often. I like this one. You know, it's like, what's wrong with this picture? I get it. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right?
0: Nothing clean, right?
1: Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a
2: six-pack. You're close. Give them to me. Now. a hole <laughs> What was that, lasers? No,
1: that was their pocket knives coming out. Oh, I was like, I
2: remember them having lasers. Yeah. So they attack him. They stab him. Um, and he ends up totally gutting one of the guys.
1: So I read that he actually rips the guy's heart out. I never caught that as a kid. I just thought it was a bloody fist that he had. Like I he kind of punched him kinda... in the stomach. and
2: Yeah. That's
1: what I always thought. But someone said that he actually pulled the heart out. And if you remember later, Reese talks about that the Terminator will like rip Sarah's heart out when he's being interrogated. Okay. So I don't know. if
2: He should have dropped the heart. Yeah. They should have like had like his feet. And then he just drops the heart. Yeah, if that you, been perfect.
1: If you pulled the heart out, it should have been more. Uh, yeah, show me more that more heart. Displayed. yeah.
2: Show me that heart, and then, then and
1: then you'd see it on the ground, and it would be thumping, going.
0: So we
2: should have like <laughs> our cut of it. They should let us go all George Lucas on it, and we just add this scene. Yeah,
1: yeah. It'd be like wash day tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so he kills that guy and then um bill paxton lives but the third guy ends up giving him his clothing yeah now we're at a second electrical storm and someone who is very much not a machine and so i think something that should be noted is that when arnold arrives he has no physical reaction to what just happened Mm -hmm. when this second person arrives he's in a lot of discomfort he's in pain yeah he um has well, he a, also
1: just sort of gets thrown to the ground,
2: uh, way less graceful,
1: yeah, where Arnold just appears like a mythological god,
2: yeah, I think you love Arnold, yes, I do love Arnold okay he he's also naked and he's he looks like this was very horrible, he has a bunch of scars on his back, so mm-hmm. this guy is has has a grizzled look to him, a little bit of a crazy look in his eyes. Um, he steals a pair of pants from a homeless man.
1: One, another one of my favorite lines is when the homeless guy says, "Hey, buddy, did you just see a
2: bright light?"
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please do that voice more often. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I don't know why I did that voice because it's not really as. I voice. don't remember
1: him hey sounding buddy. that way. <laughs> but hey,
2: buddy, did you just see a real bright light?
1: Hey buddy <laughs> it's like I'm Sammy Davis Jr.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to sound like Dennis Nedry there <laughs> So the police come upon him and then a chase ensues And there's some very interesting music that is used at this point That's all I put down was Interesting He attacks one of the cops and grabs the gun from him and proceeds to ask him what the date is. And he really just wants to know what the year is, but he never gets to find out from this cop. Eventually he finds out, but he gets surrounded by a bunch of cops and he breaks into a clothing store, which is where he's able to conveniently outfit himself for the remain for the most of the rest of this movie.
1: Yeah, that's his clothes in the rest of the movie.
2: Um, I think he gets a shirt somewhere. Oh yeah, he does get a shirt. Yeah, he doesn't get it at the clothing store.
1: But he also gets his shoes.
2: He does get his shoes, which I really love when they're chasing him and he's in that photo booth and he, pretty much velcros his shoes onto yeah, his ankle.
1: It, it's these high top Nikes with a mm-hmm. velc with velcro on the top. They're
2: really good looking.
1: They are. I've always wanted a pair of those.
2: Yeah, the '80s really. They really like. Ripley had similar shoes, but they were white and I believe they were Reeboks. Yeah. He's able to avoid the police in almost a comical Benny Hill type of way, but he escapes to the streets and steals a shotgun from a police cruiser that is parked outside. He goes to the nearest phone booth where he looks up Sarah Connor, the name Sarah Connor, and we see there that there are multiple Sarah Connors in the phone booth.
1: Yeah, I think there's three.
2: I think there were more.
1: Oh, was there? There were more, but 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 our our Sarah Connor is the third third one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah J. Connor.
2: Yes. Speaking of which, she's here. (laughs) Here's Sarah Connor. No. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, um... hi everybody. Her
1: voice has gotten so deep. I know. It has. Like it's pretty shocking in the trailer for the new movie.
2: Talk. Talk fast. But
1: here, our introduction to Sarah Connor, she's driving her scooter.
2: Yeah, she's on a scooter. And
1: the music is so corny. I love it.
2: She works at big jeffs
1: yeah obviously it's uh, a version of bob's big boy right
2: yes um and there's a statue of a blonde boy um holding (laughs) on to two giant burgers and she calls him big buns yeah that's right now we're back with our with our terminator friend and he is dressed up in a punk outfit he is kind of scoping out a neighborhood and he steals a station wagon. So I like that they just the, the cuts of these where it goes just from a few seconds here to a few seconds there.
1: Mm-hmm. I believe this shot of him punching the window of the station wagon and taking the car uh, was the last thing shot. Oh, OK. Uh, these shots of him kind of roaming around the city was done in a very guerrilla style way mm-hmm. where James Cameron and Arnold and a camera guy would just go around the streets of L.A. They would jump out of the car and, you know, punch a window and drive away real quick. (laughs) They didn't have any permits Mm because even though it looks like a big budget movie, it really wasn't. It it was almost sort of like an independent movie.
2: Wow. We get a really great scene of Sarah Connor at work. She it really kind of sets up where her life is. Later on in the movie, she talks about herself and has a lot of, like, self-doubt and doesn't think too highly of herself. So this is, like, a really awesome scene to start off with where we get to know Sarah and where she ends up at the end of this movie.
1: Yeah, and this has probably my favorite line of the movie in it. People always remember the line, I'll be back as the famous line, but no, Uh not for this guy. For me, The best line, the most memorable line is... Okay,
2: who gets the burly beef?
1: (laughs) I love the burly beef line.
2: So Sarah's very overwhelmed at work. She is approaching this table with all this food, does not know whose order is what, actually has nothing that belongs to anyone at that table, ends up accidentally spilling some liquid on one of the people sitting there as she's putting down the food... Remember what she says to him? No.
1: She says, This isn't real leather, is it? Oh. And I realize she's talking about his jacket that he's wearing, but I always thought she was talking about the booth because it looked like she was wiping the booth. (laughs) I'm like, Well, how would he know if it's real leather?
2: (laughs) Um, And this little turd of a kid puts a giant scoop of rainbow sherbet ice cream. Yeah, and he's wasting his ice cream. I know, in her pocket.
1: Remember what the guy said? No. He said something like, thanks kid, I ought to give you the tip.
2: <laughs> now we're back with Arnold, who I, from, from here, we'll just call the Terminator. He's at a gun shop, presumably to purchase some guns.
1: The gun shop owner is played by Dick Miller, and he's a very famous character actor who died recently. He died, uh, he died at the beginning of the year, at the age oh. of 90.
2: Oh, Wow.
1: And uh, he's also in the Gremlins and the Howling, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Dante pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's always good to see him pop up in these things. He's a good mm-hmm. actor.
2: He yes. is. They closed early today. Unfortunately, he does get killed by the Terminator, and who you know, has no intentions of abiding by the law or paying for anything. Yeah, and
1: I like how the the Terminator. He's asking for for different guns, and he says something about like a plasma rifle or something yeah, uh-huh. like something that i don't think has been invented yet no, no. <laughs> it's like hey buddy just what you see here phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range hey just what you see pal
2: so our future man reese we have a scene with him where he's sawing off part of the handle of the gun or whatever it is of the rifle that he has um yeah. and he's securing it to his body so he can conceal it better So we get the juxtaposition of the Terminator just loading up with everything he can get his hands on to kill one person. And Reese with just a shotgun that he stole. Here we have a wonderful scene with the Terminator. This um, is
1: the funniest scene of the movie.
2: Where he needs um, to also get to a phone book, which I thought was very interesting. Well, before I get to that scene, there were a lot of questions that I had. Like I was like. How, how do they not know some certain information? How do they know certain information? And I really love that later on it is literally told to us. Yeah, they
1: answer your question.
2: Ah, oh, so good. Anywho, so um, the Terminator needs to get to a phone book to look up Sarah Connor, and there's a gentleman with <laughs> big old beard, hair, overalls on the phone that he kicks out of that phone booth.
1: Yeah, he just comes up behind him, and he just throws him out of the faux booth. What the? (laughs) His scream is so funny. And then you just hear him off screen saying, Hey, buddy, (laughs) you got a bad attitude problem. (laughs) Hey, man, you got a serious
2: attitude problem. Uh, (laughs) I love that everyone who's not a main actor in this movie Has very subdued reactions (laughs) to aggressive situations. It's very funny. What the hell? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Here he looks up Sarah Connor and takes all that information in. Next, we see our Terminator driving up to a home with a dog and some kids outside. And when he goes up to the door, a woman... Answers, and he asks if she is Sarah Connor. She says yes, and he goes in, and we have our first murder, where he just straight up shoots her a bunch of times. Sarah Connor? Yes.
1: Yeah, he uses that special gun that has the laser pointer mm-hmm.
2: attached to it which I don't know why he would need but okay. This
1: is one of the classic scenes and this scene is referenced in Scream 2 when they're talking about movie sequels. Do you remember that? Sarah Connor?
2: Yes. <laughs> Wait.
1: So he kills the first he, Sarah Connor.
2: He does. Um however our Sarah Connor is at work and gets pulled into a back room by a co-worker to see the news report about this Sarah Connor that we just saw be murdered.
1: Yeah, and she's so rude. She says-
2: You're dead, honey. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, there's a lot, a lot going on with these people. Now we're back with Reese and he steals a car next to a construction site. He also falls asleep in there for a second, where he has a flashback to uh, the war against the machines.
1: Yeah, and, you know, as a kid, I never liked these scenes. I never liked the future scenes.
2: But and, I like that it gives us...
1: I mean, I like it now, Oh, uh-huh. but back then, I just felt it took away from the story I wanted to see too much, and, you know, I just wanted to get on with the Terminator. I didn't, It felt like it was too much action for the movie I wanted to see.
2: And it does kind of break up the pacing, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah, so he's trying to disable the these big I don't know what they're called the big well, terminators. I, well, remember at
1: one point they talk about terminators being called hunter killers. HKs. Those are the flying ones. But I think I think hunter killers. To me, it sounds like they are any one of those machines. A terminator is a hunter killer. That flying machine is a hunter killer. All the machines are hunter killers, but there's different types of hunter killers.
2: Oh, mm, I'm not in agreement with that. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> so he's trying to disable one, and uh, his partner ends up getting killed, which is when he wakes back up.
1: Um, well, he wakes back up when the uh, the car flips over. Oh, that's and right. And he's stuck in there, and the car is being set on fire, and it wakes him up. So that makes me feel like, did this really happen, or is this a dream about the past? I think it. Happened. Or about the future.
2: Yeah, I think it happened. So he has all those scars on his back. Yeah. So definitely some stuff has happened to him. Yeah. Also, we get we get more flashbacks in the movie that are pretty consistent with this. Even though yeah. they're told in very interesting ways where like Sarah experiences it because he's talking to her, so she has like a dream about it. Anywho. Sarah Connor is at home getting ready with her roommate, Ginger, who... Oh, God. Um,
1: if you thought Sarah Connor had awful hair...
2: I don't know what you're talking about regarding Ginger, because that woman is a tiny lion. It is wonderful. Her, wonderful. That that hair, the taller the hair, the closer to God or it looks whatever. looks like there's a
1: poodle on her head. It's
2: ridiculous. There's layers. Like, it is a condo of hair. Her friend Ginger, uh, I love the way that they set this up, is that she is dating or involved with a gentleman who they have a very active sex life. He ends up calling and says some lewd things mistakenly to Sarah. And Ginger is constantly listening to headphones, so she's unaware of what is around her. So I love this little setup where you just kind of get a little bit, these people are humanized.
1: Yeah, it gives realism to the characters.
2: Um, Now we're at the police station, and we are meeting two new characters. One of them is played by Bishop Lance (laughs) Henriksen.
1: That's right. Yay!
2: (laughs) Um, And a gentleman whose name I don't know, because I was very caught up in remembering how to say Lance Henriksen's last name.
1: Well, his name is Paul Winfield, Mm -hmm. and he plays Ed Traxler.
2: Very nice. We find out that another Sarah Connor has been killed and lance's character can you remind me of his name
1: his name is hal
2: hal he is noticing this pattern and brings this information to his superior
1: i like when they say they're going to call this guy the phone book killer (laughs) because they realize that he is killing sarah connors and the order they appear in the phone book
2: yes even though there's only been two killings at this point yeah so They're a little bit alarmed about it, but really can't do much. So they're sensing a pattern. So while they're doing this, we cut back to Sarah Connor and her roommate getting ready for a night out on the town. And I put down that Ginger, her roommate, has insane hair. Because we didn't really get the full scope of the volume of her hair until now, which both of these ladies look like trust up poodles. It's great. (laughs) Unfortunately, Sarah's being stood up by this dude who left a cruddy message earlier on in the day. Voiced by
1: James Cameron. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Hi, Sarah, Dan Morsky. Uh something's come up and it looks like I won't be able to make it tonight. I uh, just can't get out of it. Look, I'm really sorry. I'll I'll make it up to you. Call you in a day or so, okay? Sorry. Bye.
2: She's super bummed but decides that she's gonna go out by herself and go to a movie. She then proceeds to get on her scooter, but on her way out, we see Ginger's boyfriend show up. And he very lovingly gives her a kiss on the forehead, pretty much, as she's leaving. Mm-hmm. But we do get a jump scare. We yeah. get a jump scare. She walks out of the apartment and turns out to be the boyfriend. He very lovingly gives her a very nice, just comforting kiss. Like, these people have this life that's just so nice. Oh, also, sorry, going out of order because I didn't write all of it down because I figured I didn't remember it, and I did. She has a pet iguana.
1: (laughs) That's right. What was the iguana's name? Being a monster podcast, we should have remembered this. What is Want to guess? Godzilla. Starts with a P.
2: P? Pretorius.
1: Here's a hint.
2: Pugsley. (laughs) That's it hugs me as she's leaving she gets on her scooter and as she is leaving we the audience know that the terminator is after her we don't know exactly where she falls on this list yet um, but we do know that she could be murdered at any time so the music gets a little foreboding as she's going to her scooter she takes off And we see an angle from inside of a car of someone that's watching her. And it turns out to be Reese. And he follows her.
1: Kyle Reese.
2: Now we're back at the police station. And uh, reporters have made a connection regarding these killings. The police are trying to get in contact with our Sarah Connor, who happens to be the next Sarah Connor. In the phone book. In the phone book. So they're going and order phone listings. She's the next one on there. They're trying to get in contact with her, but they just can't. So the police chief is going to go talk to the reporters mm-hmm. and see if he can get information out there that causes her to call them.
1: Right. And I like before he goes, he asks how he looks. And Lance Henriksen says he looks like shit. And he says, your mama.
2: sarah's at a bar and she sees this news report she then goes and checks the phone book and sees that she is the next sarah connor in line because there's been two other murders and she is the next one there she tries to make a phone call but the phone at this bar is out of order she's kind of looking around she's a little freaked out and she sees that reese is sitting in the bar
1: was he sitting in the bar I he was he was waiting outside for her
2: oh sorry sorry that's correct she walks out of the bar notices him notices that he's walking yeah and then she goes to this <laughs> this club called technoir
1: yeah a great club
2: she goes in there
1: I know at a tonpico Pico.
2: I know, and so I thought that was so funny because that does come up later where the, co- where the police officers talk about it and he says that he knows the bar. And I was like, no, you do not. <laughs> um, so she goes into the bar to go make a phone call. She tries to call the police, but they have, all of their lines are busy. She gets really super frustrated. Now we're back at, at her apartment where police have been outside keeping an eye on it. And for some reason... drive off.
1: Yeah, they've been there for a few hours. Nothing's been happening. So I assume they just feel like, well, nothing's going to happen. I can just leave. And as soon as they leave...
2: The Terminator shows up. Hi. So Ginger (laughs) and um, her boyfriend have done whatever they've done. And uh, Ginger is now listening to her headphones. She can't hear a single thing. She gets startled at one point by Pugsley... But she's in the kitchen making herself a post-coitus snack.
1: <laughs> and it looks like a delicious sandwich, I tell you.
2: <laughs> and I do love how this plays out. It's, it's, just, it's very funny. She is very involved with her music, which is not good, by the way. And her boyfriend is in a full-on brawl. With the Terminator.
1: Yeah. I like that he's just lying there. That the Terminator walks in and he looks up and he goes,
2: whoa. I know. That's so funny. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then he
1: has a fight with the Terminator and he's basically in a thong. <laughs> I mean, he's like in a like, briefs. Yeah, he's in briefs. What a meathead. Um,
2: he gets, <laughs> he gets thrown through a wall. When he goes crashing through this wall is... When Ginger is walking back towards the bedroom and um, with all of her food, she gets scared by it. So she tries to take off and unfortunately she's killed by the Terminator.
1: Yeah, the Terminator comes through the wall following the boyfriend and shoots her in the back as she's running away.
2: Yep, Um, she does try to crawl away, but then he comes through and really murders her. At the same time as this is being murdered and she's being murdered, we get a phone call from Sarah Connor. So he thinks that he's murdered Sarah Connor.
1: Right. And it's so great that the answering machine is about machines.
2: Hi there.
0: I, I, I fooled you. You're talking to a machine. But don't be shy. It's okay.
2: Machines need love too.
1: Such a nice little punch as to the story we're getting. Yep. But yeah, the, the look the Terminator gets when he realizes Sarah's still out there.
2: Yes. So this was one of the uh, this was another place where I had a question. Why didn't he know what she looked like? Uh-huh. Which again gets answered later on. Yeah. So Sarah's calling and leaving a message that she's being followed and to reach her to find her at such and such place, which is Tech
1: Noir. Which is kind of a stupid thing to do because because remember she looked at the phone book and she put two and two together that she's the next one on the list and and she called because she's worried that the killer might go to where she lives so she's mm-hmm. calling to warn her friend so she should know that maybe she shouldn't give out her information just in case that killer didn't get there exactly what did happen i you know? Oh
2: agreed super agreed yeah uh the terminator is tipped off that he has he has not killed sarah connor he searches the apartment and finds an address book from her as well as some sort of photo id and now he knows which Sarah Connor it is that he's looking for. Yeah. He knows that this is the Sarah Connor that he wants. Kind of a loophole. He doesn't know, though, if this is the Sarah Connor. He just knows that it is one of the Sarah Connors that he needs to get to. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're back with Sarah at the club, and she is able to contact the police, who tell her to stay put for some stupid reason. But at the same time, makes sense.
1: Well, they're sending a cop over. But uh,
2: what's the amount of time between her talking to them and Terminator showing up? It's like seconds for us, but I needed a little bit more of a (laughs) time situation because the cops should have been there sooner.
1: Yeah. You know, when she's waiting for the cops to appear, you know, they, they tell her to stay in the open. So she's sitting at a table in the middle of everyone. Did you notice what she's drinking? no canada dry oh. my favorite beverage unfortunately it wasn't ginger ale which is my favorite it was club soda
2: oh my favorite so the germinator shows up to the club um and he's searching around for her and i love that they they do this kind of to mirror the police not seeing him when he's walking up she drops something and grabs something on the floor as he is passing by so he misses her
1: this uh scene here of the terminator searching and looking for sarah connor i love the song that's being played here you got you got
2: she spots reese sitting at the bar and is freaked out because he was following her before and she dodged into this At the same time, the Terminator spots her and it all goes into like a slow motion thing where he holds the gun up with the little laser pointer to her head and her giant mane um, and he goes to kill her. However, Reese shoots at him, which saves her.
1: Yeah, this is an expertly edited put together scene
2: oh it's so good and then we get this um insane gunfight sarah takes off with the crowd and there's a woman behind her who gets shot and falls on her she is trying to get away from this woman and from everything Again, the Terminator comes up to her, and Reese again saves her.
1: Yeah, he shoots the Terminator uh, several times, and he Mm -hmm. goes crashing through a window and lands on the street on his back. Yep. And they do the exact same scene in Terminator 2 when the Terminator and the T-1000 are fighting in the uh, clothing store. Mm -hmm. And the Mm T-1000 throws him through the window, and he lands on his back the same way.
2: Does every single Terminator movie have a clothing store in it? I don't know. I think they do.
1: I'm not sure if the fourth one does. Salvation? Yeah, probably not. Because <laughs> it takes place in the future, doesn't it? Post- so. I don't have clothes in the future. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone was naked.
2: Kyle Reese. Goes to help her up and says, come with me if you want to live. Come with me if you want to live.
1: Classic Terminator line, which is uttered several times throughout the series. Mm-hmm. In the sequel, Terminator 2, the Terminator himself actually says it. I remember I saw the first two Terminators in the theater before, and one when that line is said, everyone cheers.
2: That's a good line. Um, And they take off running into the alley. So at this point, we've seen the Terminator get shot several times. And so we know something's up because he's able to get up and come back even stronger. And we get our first look at machine vision.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: Which I was so excited because for a second I was like, oh, is this not present in this movie? I'm pretty sure it is. And we finally get it. And we have a car chase.
1: The Terminator is chasing Reese and Sarah, and then they hide behind a car. Reese takes out his gun, and he shoots a gas tank, which uh, yes. sets off an explosion. And the Terminator is on fire, in In the fire. Mm-hmm. He jumps out of the fire onto the car that is now in reverse that, Re- that Reese and Sarah are driving. He's on the car, and I always thought it was a weird close-up when... Like he has a weird kind of face when he's on top of the car, but he punches the windshield and he's hanging onto the car and then it throws him off.
2: Yeah, I like that he's reaching for her.
1: Yeah, it's a great sequence. And this sequence was very important to James Cameron because he really wanted glass to look real in his movie Mm -hmm. because he was never satisfied with candy glass or fake glass in movies. So he wanted a real windshield to be broken. So they shot this in a very interesting way. In fact, there was a making of thing that was produced uh, the year it came out in 1984 featurette a featurette on how they did this scene basically arnold was on top of the car well first they gave him a chemical solution that they would put over his body that would smoke to give the illusion he just came out of the fire you know okay so he's on top of the car and he's going to break a real windshield. Uh-huh. Obviously, a human can't do that without hurting his hand. Okay. So what they did was they tied Arnold's hand behind his back and there was an, a hydraulic arm that punched through the windshield, a real windshield, Holy to crap. make it look real. And it looks great. Uh-huh. It, it looks perfect. The interesting thing, though was that this involved stunt with a hydraulic arm with with your main actor on top of the car you can't have it backing up at 30 miles an hour so the car was steady just being shaken and then they had a giant truck where they painted a wall a brick wall on the side of it that would go by to give the illusion that the car is actually backing up.
2: This is amazing!
1: Yeah, it was very well put together. And that is the genius of James Cameron. You know, James Cameron, he comes from, they call it the the Roger Corman School of Training, which he was a horror director from the 60s that worked with, you know, Boris at the end of his career. And he brought up all these young filmmakers and actors like Jack Nicholson got his start there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And they would come up with, you know, very cheap but ingenious ways to do things. So James Cameron, you know, he loved making movies and he would have to figure out what he wanted to do without any money. Mm -hmm. So things like this, having the wall in the background move instead of the car was just something that he was able to think of.
2: I mean, and now he has all the money and he just visits the wreckage of the Titanic whenever he wants. That's right. So they shake him off, off of the car and a police officer has kind of been just watching this calls in for backup, calls an ambulance and our Terminator has no eyebrows and steals that police car.
1: <laughs> yeah, he steals the police car from that cop who he later mimics with his voice, you know.
0: This is 1L19 westbound and Olympic approaching overland.
1: But that cop was played by William Wisher who was one of the co-writers of uh, the Terminator. Oh, really? He uh, did mostly the uh, early scenes with Sarah Connor. uh, that dialogue and things like that.
2: Okay. Reese and Sarah are driving through the streets all crazy and here we get a little bit of a backstory exposition filling in Sarah what is happening even though she's very freaked out. She thinks that Reese is trying to kill her and he informs her that he's been assigned to protect her tells her that she's been assigned for termination and so the Terminator the man chasing them wants to kill her he then goes on to tell her that he's a cyborg 101 and tells her the rules of the terminator she at one point says are you from the future and he's like i'm from one possible future so i love that because this is the first time that the terminator is gone back the outcome of this situation can be anything so and he doesn't know whether or not he's gonna succeed. So I love that he, I really do love his wording that he's like, I am from one possible future.
1: He really gives a great, scary description of the Terminator, you know, that he can't be reasoned with, he Mm -hmm. can't be bargained with.
0: That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop. Ever until you are dead.
1: You know, and then they talk about how, you know, the easy ones were easy to spot because they were made of rubber. But now these are real. They sweat. They have bad breath. (laughs) I just love his description of all that. And the funny thing is, Sarah is very uh, into believing this story. There's not much doubt from her.
2: uh, Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of the things that he is saying do make sense. Just based on being able to say, you saw this guy get shot. He got back up. We can't stop him, and he's he's very honest about everything, saying that he is from a possible future, mm-hmm. and also he says that he doesn't know if he can stop it, but he's trying his best. Yeah. Kaios is trying his best.
1: And another line that I really like is when she's trying to get away at first, she bites him, and he says, "Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do."
2: Yep. <laughs> Cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. He decides that they need to ditch the car because the police are after him and um, so is this Terminator. So they go into a parking structure and ditch the car. The Terminator hears that the police are all converging on this garage and heads on over. He also impersonates the cop that he stole the car from that you uh, had mentioned earlier we're back in the garage and the cops are looking for Faris and for Sarah Sarah as they're kind of hiding Sarah is asking why does he want her he pretty much tells her the backstory that everything's destroyed in a nuclear war in a few years from the 80s that it was all started by the machines that they became self-aware and they decided that not one side was an enemy that all humanity was an enemy and uh, that that it had to be just um, exterminated. And here's where he does talk about the HK hunter killers. We find out that Reese grew up not before the war. He was not born before the war. He was born during it. And he grew up in it. Um, in the ruins. In the ruins of it. And there was a man named John Connor that taught him how to fight back and was pretty much a role model for him. And he tells her that this man, John, John Connor, is her son. As they're trying to start this car that they've now commandeered, the Terminator shows up Mm -hmm. and they have a garage shootout, which I actually really like this. They're on two separate sides of garage aisles shooting at each other yeah and
1: arnold's doing a lot of driving uh without his hands which is which is great they
2: end up in this very elaborate chase that causes the terminator to crash into a wall at the same time they are surrounded by the cops and taken in when the police go to investigate the police car that the terminator was in they find that it's empty they take sarah and reese to the police station And here she finds out that her friend Ginger is dead. And she's absolutely devastated. She's also introduced to uh, a real such-and-such a person, a real horrible person, uh, Dr. Silberman. Sarah, this is Dr. Silberman. Hi, Sarah.
1: Dr. Silberman. Why is he horrible?
2: Um, Because he's a dick.
1: (laughs) Dr. Silberman, he's a uh, great character actor. He was in... The first three Terminator pictures, Mm -hmm. uh, played by Earl Bowen. Oh, he's great. And he has a great voice, and he used that voice to great effect as the narrator of the Disneyland
2: Railroad. What?
0: Hello, folks. Welcome aboard the Disneyland Railroad.
2: So he's a real piece of work. He's real cocky, already saying everyone is very much insane, and keeps yawning. Um... So he's this is just like, whatever.
1: He's annoyed to be there. Um, he is. And
2: he, um, and he wants to know if Reese is crazy. So he's going to go interrogate Reese. But while this is happening, they're cutting back and forth between the Terminator, who has like a room that he's rented out and he's injured ish. Some of his gears in his arm aren't working well. So he it's a really great scene where he uh, repairs himself. He opens up his arm and it's so gross. Uh,
1: yeah, these are the best scenes. I love these. they're so
2: good. And this is I feel like where a lot of the horror comes in mm-hmm. um, because they are very grotesque yeah. scenes, even though it's just skin and then it's machine underneath. But yeah. it's just But um, it
1: still is realistic. Like, you know, oh, when they he, did so good. I really love when he opens up his arm. You could see the the metal that is playing the role of a human ligament where he has a he has pliers or a wrench or something that he has attached to it. And he moves it down and it moves his finger. And, you know, if you feel in your arm or look at your arm, you could feel those same tendons that we have. Yeah. But he has his machine tendons that are just so great.
2: Yeah. Um, and then he also removes his eye.
1: Yeah. This eye. Oh, I love this scene so much because we get a great animatronic Terminator head. Yep, <laughs> which you know it's pretty obvious now, but still, it's I, still so good. So, still so good. It's gross. Oh, it's so
2: <laughs> it is so gross. Yeah. Not only is this place that he's staying gross, he, he he has like that sink that's full of water, and then he takes off his eye, and I love. How they cut back to him dropping the eye into the water. Yeah.
1: And then there's a close-up shot where he has a rag over his eye. And you see like half of his face. I always thought he looked a lot like Boris Karloff in that scene. Really? Or Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster in the huh. first one. And I think that close-up is actually the animatronic. Mm-hmm. And Then it's revealed that he has his robot eye. Yes. And then he puts his glasses on. Yes. And then it's the robot looking around, and then on the side it cuts back to the real Arnold, and he looks at his hair, and does his hair a little bit. <laughs> that vain Terminator.
2: So Doctor Silverman is talking to Reese, and I love this. Doctor Silverman is asking all the questions that we as an audience should have at this point, where he asks how he got to the past. Reese ends up talking about how the about the plan to kill Sarah. How this is a one-way mission. Like, he knows that he's not going back. He has this one shot. Um, We get the rules of the transportation. That nothing inorganic can come through. And the reason that the Terminator has this organic skin, which later on in the movie is rotting and can be smelled. You can smell a rotting smell. Is so that it can go through this transport. He doesn't know why, though. Why was this machine built this way? But it has been and this is what has to happen Um, so he wasn't able to bring back any defense weaponry no ray guns nothing um, from the future and then I love this all they had was a name and a location for Sarah there are no pictures there's nothing
1: she was kept out of the record books
2: she was which um, I do find a little bit interesting because I mean if all they had was a name and a location eh, I guess that makes sense
1: Everything was destroyed when the world ended, basically. But so. the
2: machines had access to information. Yeah, that's So I true. don't understand why he doesn't have more access to her information. Just a bank of what they would all look like. But then I guess that's also a plot device for us to see wh- how he's gathering this information. Yeah. And knowing but, what we're...
1: But also, if you think about the sequel, Sarah Connor becomes so gung-ho about Judgment Day... That she does everything she can to stop it, but also she's covering her tracks where she's, I'm sure she's taken herself out of all the systems. Yeah. So no information would be out there. This is true.
2: Dr. Silberman, uh, the police and Sarah are re-watching this video and he is just laughing about it. He's just like trying to discredit the evening's events. Trying, He's pretty much saying that Reese what? is crazy and the
1: well, he says that it's the best example of crazy he's ever seen because every question he has, Reese has an answer for. And, you know, basically when he asks for proof, there's an answer as to why there isn't any proof. Yes. And then Sarah asks Dr. Silverman if Reese is crazy, and he says... In technical terminology, he's a loon.
2: Yep. Um, The police do try to explain away the events from the evening and talking about how um the terminator the reason that she saw him get shot so many times and get back up is because he was wearing body armor and they have body armor to show her and that she's like well but he jumped on the car and punched through the windshield and they're like pcp and she's (laughs) like okay and she starts to believe them so, uh, this is definitely, I mean, I don't see how she could come back from something where she experienced something so traumatic and then the people are able to explain it away, you know. She starts to kind of calm down, and the police say that she'll be safe at the police station because there's like 30 police officers there. So, she decides to take a nap. uh The doctor is leaving the police station, and again, we have um, another one of a uh, you're looking this way, so I'm going to slip right behind you. Yeah,
1: as he's leaving, guess who walks in?
2: The Terminator. He goes into the lobby and says that he's a friend, friend of Sarah's. Uh, the police are like, she's in questioning right now. You cannot see her. And so he kind of checks the place out and uh, very calmly says, I'll be back. I'll be back.
1: It's funny that that became so famous, that line. And the reason it becomes so famous is because of what happens next, which, which is, is so good. He comes back in the car and slams into the yeah, police. He policeman. drives
2: it right into the into that lobby so he can get past all the security measures.
1: But I feel like people don't really remember that part of the line because the only reason that line works is because of what happens after it. Of course. But it's such a classic line that Arnold says all the time. And it's funny when Arnold says it now, he says it so smooth and great in the first one like I'll be back when he says it now he's always like I'll be back <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's o- always over overacting it.
2: so he goes through the, the police station guns a blazing the police chief locks her into this room and I started at this point I'd like to point out writing down instead of Terminator I call him Termy. Termy. Termin, he uh, shorts out the electricity, so all the lights have to go out. So now he's shooting people in the dark. I mean, it's not that dark in there. But Reese escapes his confines and goes to search for Sarah. They are able to escape the police station. The Terminator has murdered everyone. The police officers that were protecting Sarah, um, Lance Hendrickson, and his <laughs> my Lance commanding officer i was kind of bummed out he kind of went out just Mm. yeah (laughs) there's a radio report that goes out that you're hearing that the police are looking for the assailant in this shooting that happened Sarah and Reese have stolen a car and the car has run out of gas so they go and they hide out under a bridge. Sarah is freezing under this bridge and Reese goes to warm her up. She asks him about himself and kind of cuddles up to him and she finds out that he's been shot and uh, he says a phrase that I thought was just ridiculous. He says it passed through the meat.
1: Oh this is gonna make me puke.
2: (laughs) Um, Which means the the bullet just went through him. And it's on his arm. She patches him up.
1: That's a good field dressing.
2: And she asks him to tell her about John. He then goes on to kind of talk about John's father. And she actually says that no. She doesn't want to know anything about him. He then goes on to call her a a legend. And here we got a little bit of her self-doubt. This is a little bit of a clunky, awkward scene where he's like i have a message for you from john and he recites this message which doesn't even really sound like a message it just sounds like um reese thinks that she wants to hear these things but he pretty much thanks her for being a badass and being the mother of the resistance he tells her to rest and she requests that he talk to her about himself and we get a flashback Here, we're back to the opening scene, but Reese is walking through this battlefield area and ends up going underground. We see a bunch of displaced people and kids hunting rats. When he gets down there, though, there are some dogs. And I believe he talks about this a little bit later. That's right. And the dog. Just kind of is sitting there and they smell him and he goes in. So it turns out that he has a photo of her and has been studying this photo. Every curve. While he is studying this photo of her in this underground city, the dogs are going berserk. And it, t- it turns out that a Terminator has snuck in and is just murdering people.
1: What's great about this is this is a Terminator that does not look like Arnold. Correct. And in the sequels, they make it appear as if there's an assembly line of only Arnold's, which doesn't make sense. But you want Arnold in the movie, so that's why they say that. This Terminator is really good. He's played by one of Arnold's closest friends named Franco Columbu. Columbu. C O L U M B U.
2: Mm.
1: And he was Columbau. Columbau. (laughs) He was (laughs) Carnival. He was also a bodybuilder and former Mr. Olympia. Oh. And he unfortunately uh, died a few months ago. No. At the age of 78. Oh. But what's great about this scene, you know, the, the Terminator comes in, the Franco Terminator, and he's shooting all around and then... Reese looks at him in the distance as a fire is starting and there's smoke around and you see his glowing eyes. they so
2: that good. And yeah, so yeah, there's a fire that starts and the one picture that existed of Sarah goes up in flames. It bubbles up. Yep. Now we're back to the present with our Terminator and he's back in his room. He's injured and he's very much decomposing and there's like a whole little exchange between what would be like the landlord asking if he's keeping a dead body in there and i love that he goes through um his list of responses and um has a very aggressive response and the guy's like well okay and just leaves you a-hole.
1: And you know where he got that response from?
2: From the gentleman that he met at the beginning. That's right. From the punks. Yeah. He's looking through Sarah's address book. And I guess he just deduces what would be happening next, which we don't know at the time what this could be. I put down that it is now hotel room time for Sarah and Reese. As they are checking in, there is a dog at the hotel, um, which Reese approaches and has the dog smell him?
1: I believe this was James Cameron's dog named Wolfie.
2: Oh, is it the same dog at the end?
1: I don't know. Like every dog's like a German Shepherd. It's the opinion. only kind of dog that exists yeah. in this
2: universe. It's a German Shepherd. Sarah ends up taking a shower as Reese goes out to buy supplies. And after this, she calls her mom. Her mom tells her that she needs more information, needs to know what's going on, where she is, Sarah sent her off to the family cabin and she doesn't know what's going on. Sarah's like, I can't tell you anything. And then her mom ends up guilting her into giving her more information. But surprise, it's not her mom. It's the Terminator impersonating her mom.
1: Yeah, this is really scary. It is. It's a shot showing the cabin all destroyed. I don't think you see her mom's body at all. but
2: you just see the aftermath.
1: Yeah, you just see him sitting in a rocking chair talking like Sarah's mom.
2: Yep. She gives her the number and the hotel room that she's in. The Terminator then immediately calls the number back to find out where this hotel is located. Reese comes back when they checked in, he requested a room with a kitchen. She thinks that he has brought back stuff to make food. Turns out he has not. He's brought back mothballs. And...
1: Well, he did bring back something, some sort of substance to eat.
2: But, you know, <laughs> she's like, mm, mothballs. He's pretty much brought back items to make explosives because yeah. he wants to kill this Terminator.
1: And he should have brought back the burly beef.
2: Okay, who gets the burly beef? Sarah and Reese share some intimate times some emotionally vulnerable moments she thinks that she's going to die like this is this is pretty much it in the course of this conversation we find out that Reese has never known a lady in these ways and that he's always loved her but before we get to this Sarah is like tell me about the women of your time And um, he tells her that he had this photo of her that he studied forever and ever, and uh, he loves her. He's then instantly mad at himself for saying that um, he loves her.
1: Yeah, and he has a great line where he says,
2: I came across time for you, Sarah. Sarah ends up kissing him. And then we get the most tender rendition of the Terminator theme. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and then there's a lot of close-ups of hands holding hands.
1: It's a wonderful love-making scene. Unfortunately, love-making? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's always some discomfort because I remember watching this with my parents when I was pretty young. <laughs> Man.
2: This is a very long scene to watch with your parents yeah. when you are a child.
1: Yeah, I remember it being kind of uncomfortable.
2: And then the sheets get pulled. so many hands. Oh, and There's then boobs. like when it's over, when it's like the release. <laughs> 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 um, but you know.
1: sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what this is very reminiscent of, though? Okay. Another James Cameron movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, Titanic. Because when Jack and Rose are lovemaking, they also get a piano rendition. Actually, no, no, no. Not lovemaking in the physical sense. This is the lovemaking of... Jack drawing Rose in the nude, and you get this wonderful piano rendition of My Heart Will Go On uh-huh. by James Horner, one of the best scores of all time.
2: Um. So after they've boned, like <laughs> <laughs>
1: after they love me,
2: after they love me, they were getting ready for the day, and um, the dog outside is going crazy. This is a warning that there's a terminator afoot. He's found them, and they have a, a chase. They're driving through a tunnel, and Reese is chucking a bunch of these explosives at the Terminator who's on a motorcycle and he keeps missing. This results in uh, Reese getting shot pretty badly um, on the side. The car that they are driving flips over and the Terminator falls off his bike. He gets uh, run over by a truck.
1: Which is funny because the first shot of him killing, when he goes to kill the first Sarah Connor, he runs over a toy truck. He does.
2: I thought you were going to throw this back to Bill Paxton with the tire thing on his face. I was like, ooh.
1: Oh, that's another foreshadowing.
2: such foreshadowing. The truck stops, and this Terminator kills the trucker.
1: So when he kills him, he's, he's walking towards the truck now. And he's injured. He has a bad limp. Yes. He has basically the exact same limp as Karis the mummy from the mummy movies. Oh, really? Yeah. The dragging left leg. <laughs> it's great. But I love he he kills the driver and he goes into the truck and there's someone else in there. Uh-huh. And what does he say? get out get out which is another line that is used throughout the series the, the t-1000 says it in the sequel to the guy in the helicopter
2: mm-hmm.
0: get out
2: he tries to run them over so they're running away from this truck and i love how like Reese's kind of unconscious couldn't get up and she is dragging him out of the the flipped over truck and at one point she's like on your feet, soldier.
1: Yeah, she's becoming the military mom she always was meant to be. Um, but these shots of the Terminator driving, there's the animatronic head shots and there's also the makeup shots of the real Arnold. Uh, it's a great makeup and he looks really scary He does. With the blood going down the side of his face and down his, his chin. And
2: It's so yeah. good.
1: Makeup by Stan Winston, by the way. Oh.
2: So the truck is following them and they separate. Kyle tells her to keep running. And as the truck goes by, he sticks a piece of dynamite that he's created, the dynamite explosive that he's made, into a back pipe on the truck. It blows up and the Terminator seemingly dies um, and is consumed by the fire. Yeah, Um. we
1: get a close-up of uh, the Terminator melting, basically, and you see his flesh uh, burning off of his face.
2: Um. Yeah, it's so good, because even I think the light might kind of go out in his eye, or maybe he just blinks. I'm not too sure. Reese and Sarah reunite, and the wreckage is behind them, and it's burning. And out of this, you start seeing some movement, and like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, the Terminator rises out of this wreckage. And he starts chasing them. But he's got that limp. And I yeah. love it because they show his little feet. He's got very tiny feet for how tall he is, by yeah. the way.
1: Well, he's an endoskeleton now. Yes. So he's uh, a metal skeleton now. The effects here, they're not the best. Some, I mean, I really like the puppet work. The stop motion isn't the best. But I still, I love anything stop motion, though. Yeah. But some of the shots, like the shot of the Terminator walking towards them where you get you see him from behind that was done with like five guys holding up the Terminator puppet on a board and basically walking with him like that that puppet didn't have any feet so it was just like a torso that they were walking giving the illusion of a limp the big mistake that Stan Winston and his team made with this Terminator was that they made him like a real Terminator meaning he's very heavy uh, made out of real metal So it was hard to maneuver the life-size puppet. Mm -hmm. Where in the sequels, they came up with lightweight materials that look like metal.
2: Yeah. They run into the nearest building. As they run in, they realize that this is some sort of machinery. There's lots of machines around there. Something is being produced in this factory. And Kyle has the sense to turn on the machines... Um, So there's a bunch of noise now. So the Terminator cannot immediately track them. This place is called GMF Robotics. Kyle Reese passes out and is too weak to continue. He tells her to leave without him. And um, as they're kind of like going back and forth, the Terminator breaks in and looks around for them. He's having like a problem tracking them because all of these machines are providing really excellent cover. Until they accidentally set off another machine, um, which alerts them to where they are. So he tracks them down, and they go up into this catwalk. Reese and Terminator fight, and um, as they're fighting, Reese is able to put his last stick of dynamite into the endoskeleton, right. and it blows up. In the process, the, the Terminator is blown apart, torso becomes its own thing and then his legs whatever else and Reese unfortunately is killed
1: yeah and you know it's a good thing that Reese didn't lose any limbs because we could have called him Reese's Pieces oh
2: my gosh Robert shame on you <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's injured in this blast as well and as she is but
1: again for how many times she thinks it's over now
2: yes she's having a moment where she is um she's lamenting the loss of Kyle and in the background behind her though we do have the torso of the terminator and he is very much still alive so he kind of wiggles back to life and we get a really great jump scare also here there is a very slow chase between the two where they are crawling through machinery mm-hmm. it's which it's a, like a press yeah a hydraulic press she's able to get out the other side and as he's reaching for her yet again, she's able to activate the press and crushes the Terminator. You're a terminated f- And finally, the Terminator has been stopped. He is dead.
1: Yeah, because it crushed his microchip.
2: Yep. Um, we hear police sirens in the distance. And next we see Sarah being taken in an ambulance. Now we've gone forward a few months and it's November 10th. We hear Sarah recording a tape to presumably her child and and then we see her and she's very pregnant. So we know that she is definitely recording this and she's pregnant with John. She's driving and she has a dog with her she tells him that he has to send Reese back that it's very crucial that no matter what he find a way to send Reese back because this is how he's born so John Connor does know who his father is because I think at one point Reese says that he doesn't know exactly why he was picked
1: he said he volunteered which is very interesting because maybe John Connor didn't pick maybe John Connor doesn't know but I guess he would know if well, he read these tapes Yeah, Yeah. well,
2: now he knows.
1: Yeah, if he heard those tapes, he would know. It's hard to understand exactly. It's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah, yeah. Like, where does it begin? Who knows what? And as Sarah says...
2: God, a person could go crazy thinking about this. As she's talking, there's a kid that takes her photo. And we find out that this is the photo that Reese was holding in the future. The kid says that there's a storm coming. And uh, she says that she knows... And then our last moments with her is her driving towards this storm that is coming, which I love this matte painting. Uh, It's so good. And she's driving away. And then great mountains. um, Really great. The sky. Everything looks great. The color, the saturation. And then uh, we hear the Terminator theme.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's it. That's the Terminator.
1: <laughs> A terrific picture. Infia, how did you like it?
2: Oh, I greatly enjoyed Terminator.
1: I greatly do too. Is it your favorite Terminator movie? No. Which is your favorite?
2: I think it's the second one. Me too. I think. Almost everyone would agree. and that is by no means saying that the first one is a bad movie. It is a fantastic movie. Yeah. um it's just the second one is just a little bit more fun.
1: Yeah, I love them both, but the second one is really uh I, I think it's probably the best action movie of all time in my opinion at least. Mm-hmm. if you want to call it an action
2: movie. The second one?
1: Yeah, I mean it's cause... definitely
2: an action movie.
1: I mean, because it's also science fiction. and uh, That's okay.
2: Movies yeah. can cross boundaries. Yeah.
1: For instance, this movie, a lot of it is a horror movie. In fact, James Cameron sought out to make it more of a horror movie than an action movie or science fiction movie. It mm-hmm. was meant to be more of a horror movie. Yet, uh, because of the popularity of it, people putting in or people wanting to know more about the backstory, about the future, the timelines and all that, it sort of became more of a science fiction story. Mm -hmm. But it was heavily inspired by horror movies of the past, namely Halloween. A lot of a lot of this is uh, very Michael Myers ish.
2: Oh, yeah, I could see it where they're like, especially like when they're running, even though he's incapacitated. It's that slow, like, he's coming for you and he's not going to stop until he kills you. Because he's pure evil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, I became a a big Terminator fan after watching this one and the second one. Pretty much this movie, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Predator made me a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan.
2: Oh, understandably.
1: I remember in second grade, I was, that's probably the height of my Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Fandom. Uh So I was about eight years old, you know, watching the Predator and (laughs) Terminator 2 and all that. And I remember my uncle gave me a Arnold Schwarzenegger book, Mm -hmm. which was about bodybuilding. It was his autobiography. And then the second half was steps on how to be a bodybuilder or how to eat well and train and all that. Okay. And I loved this book, you know, because I was obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I remember one time my uncle and my grandma wanted to go to Arnold Schwarzenegger's restaurant called Schatzi's. So we went to Schatzi's and I brought my Arnold Schwarzenegger book with me just in case he would be there so I could get him to sign it. Uh-huh. So, you know, eight year old me with my Arnold book. We go. I look around. There he is. He's sitting at a table with his daughters. They're eating. And I asked my uncle and my grandma if one of them would come up with me to go say hello and ask him for an autograph. They both wouldn't do it, they were too shy. So I saw Arnold this close away from him and I never went and got his autograph.
2: I'm sorry.
1: I was too shy. I ended up losing that book, but (laughs) if I got it signed, I wouldn't have lost it. Yeah. But because of eBay, I was able to get it back and now it stands proudly in my collection. How to be a (laughs) bodybuilder, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, my uncle also, before Arnold was big, before he was, you know, the number one movie star in the world, Uh he was famous for being uh, Mr. Olympia, you know, Mr. Universe and all that. And he would train in Santa Monica. And my uncle one time was at the beach in Santa Monica and he went to the bathroom and inside the bathroom was a naked Arnold Schwarzenegger who was like putting his new um, bathing suit on or something. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. So I remember after we saw him in sh- at Shatzie's, I used to always do this Arnold Schwarzenegger impression where I'd be talking and saying this. Yesterday I went to my restaurant, Shotzi's, and I saw Robert Lininger there and Mark Silverman, the guy who saw me naked in the bathroom.
2: <laughs> you did not say that at eight years old.
1: You want to bet? No. I did that for years. That was my that was my line. <laughs> But uh, Terminator uh, really uh, was one of my favorites. Let's talk about some fun facts and some making
2: of antidotes. (laughs) Unnecessary. Let's do it.
0: Okay, who gets the burly beef?
1: So The Terminator, 1984. Uh So James Cameron directed and wrote this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Before this, he had directed the movie Piranha 2. Remember Piranha? He directed Piranha 2? Yeah. Huh. He was fired from that production. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to be part of the editorial process that was taking place in Rome. So he like bought a ticket and he flew out to Rome to be part of that. And he didn't have any money for proper food. And he got very sick. And he went to bed with a high fever. Uh, he had a nightmare that night. And in that nightmare there was a metal endoskeleton it came out of flames came out of the fire and it dragged itself over the floor holding kitchen knives and he woke up and he drew a he did a drawing of the dream that he had of this metal endoskeleton that gave him the idea for a terminator movie and basically he worked backwards where he had the skeleton and he wrote the script based on how we get to this skeleton that chases these people. Uh-huh. And at first he was going to have the script take place in the future. But since he knew it would be more expensive to do it all in the future, he decided to add the time travel aspect to it so it could take place in present day. As I told you, it was more written as a horror film. And Halloween had a big influence on it. In fact, I I really like the shot at the end, you know, when they think it's over and the Terminator rises in the flames, like (laughs) in his dream. It's like the shot in Halloween where he rises in the back of Laurie Strode, you know?
2: Yeah, core strength.
1: Yeah. So the original story that James Cameron wrote, two Terminators got sent back in time. Okay. Also, two men got sent back in time.
2: Oh, it's too much already.
1: The first guy dies during time travel. Uh And then the second guy who does survive kills the Terminator. Uh After that one dies, a liquid metal Terminator comes who can shapeshift, (gasps) which they obviously eventually do in Terminator 2. Perfect. There was also in the treatment this whole little thing that they wanted to do about Sarah Connor having a figure skating accident. Basically, she was a figure skater and she had an injury and she was fitted with surgical pins when she broke her leg, uh-huh. skating. Somehow, the only information the Terminator had was that there was an accident that she was in. So the Terminator knew that there were these metal pins in her legs. So whenever he killed someone he thought could be Sarah Connor, the first two, he would cut their legs open looking for these metal pins to prove that it's Sarah, the real Sarah Connor.
2: That's a lot. It's a little too much.
1: And then in the novelization of the movie the terminator is always looking for those pins in her leg but then you realize that she gets her pins in the leg in her leg not from an ice skating injury but from the injury with the terminator so he was always looking for something that didn't uh, happen yet A little twist
2: yeah <laughs>
1: and also the original story of the terminator had another interesting thing mm. the terminator has to eat and would eat periodically eat
2: what why
1: food because something had to keep the outer skin living, so he would eat food oh. to keep that part of him living. Makes sense. There's a scene, I guess, where he would just get candy bars and, and eat the whole thing, the wrapper included.
2: That'd be pretty funny, though. You burnt up, like spiky hair, no eyebrows, <laughs> Terminator with just like a ring of chocolate around his mouth.
1: Give me a Fifth Avenue's. <laughs>
2: Why do you turn into like kind of the the cookie monster kind of, where it's just like shoveling all the Fifth Avenues, but none of them are actually going down his gullet?
1: (laughs) Apparently they came back to this in uh, Terminator 3. I think there was a deleted scene or it was in the script that the Terminator was going to find Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite German candy or something and just stuff it in his mouth. (laughs) So, James Cameron, he sold the initial draft of his script to his producing partner named Gail Ann Hurd. For one dollar he wanted to give her the rights to sell the movie so that they could get it made there was one condition and that condition is that she is not allowed to sell it unless he can direct so i think places like paramount were interested and wanted to buy it but they didn't want james cameron to direct eventually they went on to work with orion pictures i believe gail ann heard she was also credited as a co-writer even though she didn't write anything she was just credited as that because James Cameron kind of had to give her the credit to sell the movie. And they were married for a time. They were married between the years 1985 and
2: 1989. Oh, and like right after this, did he get together with Linda Hamilton?
1: Linda Hamilton, who plays Sarah Connor, James Cameron ended up marrying her after Terminator 2. So with James Cameron's uh, script, he cites several sources as inspiration. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Okay. Uh, and also The Outer Limits and a movie called The Driver from 1978. We'll get back to the Outer Limits thing in a minute. Think about that. Remember in the sequel, there's the whole Cyberdyne thing and the plant that made the Terminators, you know, all that.
2: Yeah, yeah. They talk about it in this movie.
1: That was going to be a big part of this movie in the initial script. But again, they didn't have the budget for a Cyberdyne, so they saved All that stuff for the sequel.
2: That's totally fine. Yeah. I don't need that. It's kind of like keeping stuff kind of limited a la Jaws. You only see what you need to see.
1: Yeah. I told you earlier that it was kind of guerrilla filmmaking for a lot of the movie because they didn't have a a big budget. Uh Uh-huh, I recall. They did a great job getting what they could. And and they really, with, with minimal money and without permits and all that, made it look like a big budget movie, you know?
2: I honestly thought that it was a much bigger
1: but there's stories that James Cameron can be uh, a bit hard to work with. What? He gets angry. He fights for everything he wants to be done. In fact, the crew made a T-shirt. And the crew used to wear shirts around that said, You can't scare me. I work for James Cameron.
2: hardy, hardy, hard. hard.
1: <laughs> crew. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's do a little cast rundown, shall we? What? We got The Terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. Then we have Michael Bean as Kyle Reese. We'll see him again in Aliens.
2: <gasps> that's right. That's right.
1: Another James Cameron movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, and then the woman that plays the foster mom in the second movie is Vasquez.
1: That's right. In that Aliens. is right. And also Lance Henriksen's in Aliens.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: And Bill Paxton.
2: Game over, man. It's game over. Oh, my gosh.
1: And Arnold. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's uh, the chest burster. <laughs> Linda Hamilton plays Sarah Connor. We'll see her again in Dante's Peak.
2: <laughs> if you think we aren't going to do Dante's Peak, but actually probably Volcano. And if we can fit... Oh, no. Volcano and Dante's Peak in one episode.
1: And the Monolith Monsters. <laughs> Paul Winfield plays Ed Traxler, the police lieutenant. Lance Henriksen plays Hal Vokovich, the sergeant. And Earl Bowen plays Dr. Silberman. That's our main cast. Do you know who was the biggest contender to play the Terminator before Arnold?
2: I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and say Sylvester Stallone.
1: <laughs> no. John
2: Travolta.
1: Uh, no. The one that was closest to being the Terminator was O.J. Simpson.
2: That's right. We yeah. just saw this on Jimmy Kimmel.
1: They were really pushing to have O.J. Simpson be the Terminator, but the producers ended up saying that he didn't look enough like a
2: killer. I'm, well.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, J- James
1: Cameron says this whole story isn't true, but Arnold says it is.
2: Why would Arnold ever lie?
1: I don't know. Arnold met up with James Cameron at a lunch one day and they were in talks about Arnold being in this movie, but Arnold was originally up to play Kyle Reese. So they're talking about the movie because, you know, he was in Conan and he was always playing heroes and things, never a villain. Yeah. So they're talking about the movie and their ideas and stuff, and they both really liked each other and they both, without saying this to each other, realized that Arnold would be better as the Terminator. Mm-hmm. So before Arnold was officially cast, James Cameron did some art of Arnold as the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Now, the story is that art was originally O.J. Simpson, and then he drew Arnold's face over O.J. So Arnold just has to scrape away his face and see if OJ's there. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, they both came to the conclusion that Arnold would be the best Terminator and that's the role he took. I I don't really like talking too much about other people that are up for roles because I feel like it's pretty much anyone when you talk about that because you just mentioned someone's name and it's like, oh, they're up for a role. But names that I came across were Mel Gibson and Stallone were close. Who knows if that's true? Also, Tom Selleck, who had who apparently was offered the role but had to turn it down because of his commitments to Magnum P.I. But then I heard the same thing about Indiana Jones with him. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe all that. Others were like Kevin Klein and Michael Douglas. <laughs> None of these make
2: sense. You're just throwing names out here, and I'm like, no.
1: The one that is truer is Lance Henriksen could have been the Terminator. Okay. So whether he was really considered to be the Terminator is up for question. Uh, There's rumors that he was, but what really happened was James Cameron liked the look of Lance Henriksen and did some concept art of Lance as the Terminator. And also Lance Henriksen, who was a friend of James Cameron, helped him pitch this movie and get it sold. So when James Cameron would have a meeting with producers, Lance Henriksen would dress up in leather, add like (laughs) cuts to his face, and wear gold foil on his teeth. He would then kick the door in, and then he would just sit there, staring at producers, not saying anything. Mm -hmm. After about 15 minutes, James Cameron would come in, and he'd just get up and leave. And then the producers would be interested in the movie, and they said, they don't care who they use for the Terminator, just not Lance Henriksen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cause it's too intimidating?
1: Because uh, just too weird? Yeah. I don't know. But he did play a good robot in Aliens.
2: I don't know if he would have been a good Terminator. Uh, Well, that Terminator. But he would have been like a great T-1000. Yeah,
1: that's true. So what do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger watched before becoming Terminator? He watched one of the best robot performances, Westworld. <gasps> which Ooh. also they used as an inspiration for Michael Myers in Halloween. Uh-huh. So he watched Yul Brenner as the gunslinger in Westworld before being cast to kind of get the idea of the type of robot he wanted to play. Okay. Arnold, he prepared every day for this movie for a month. Every day for a month, he would learn how to strip and reassemble guns, and he went to shooting ranges to perfect his uh, gunslinging ways. Approach. <laughs> I don't know. What do you call it when you shoot guns?
2: shooting
1: his shooting skills (laughs) so they started filming the movie and arnold didn't show up until two weeks after filming had started because he had to finish shooting conan the destroyer the sequel to conan the barbarian Uh the first scene that he filmed was in the garage when he was driving around looking for reese and sarah okay there's also i don't know if i believe this one but there, there is a rumor that Arnold delayed some filming by two days because he wasn't happy with his leather jacket because it wasn't manly enough. Think that's true?
2: I don't know. It could I be. Know. I don't know. I don't really. I could go either way on this.
1: Now, here's another thing I don't know if I believe to be true. They say Arnold Schwarzenegger had to shave his eyebrows for when he lost his eyebrows.
2: I don't think so.
1: I don't think so either, because it looks like an appliance. Like, He has a pretty heavy brow when he loses them. But the rumor is that he had his eyebrows insured by Lloyd's of London in case they didn't grow back after he (laughs) shaved them. (laughs) I don't think I believe that. I don't either. Let's talk a little bit about Sarah Connor. Jennifer Jason Leigh was among uh, the people that James Cameron thought of to play Sarah Connor.
2: That would have been a very bleak Sarah Connor.
1: Do you know who Deborah Winger is? I do. She won the role of Sarah Connor, apparently. But then she had second thoughts and turned it down. So they brought on Linda Hamilton, who ended up marrying James Cameron after Terminator 2, Mm -hmm. Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. Previous to the Terminator, she broke her ankle. So, the chase scene at the end was put off to the last thing filming so she could do the most running that she could nice. and 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 even so, she still had to have her ankle wrapped up, and it was very painful for her. Aww. Let's talk a little bit about the makeup and effects. Originally, James Cameron went to the best in the business, and the best in the business was Dick Smith. Mm-hmm. Dick Smith did the makeup for the Exorcist and the Godfather and All that stuff. And Dick Smith turned it down. He recommended a friend of his named Stan Winston. Mm -hmm. So Stan Winston did the effects. Stan Winston, while he was somewhat hands on, he was more responsible for bringing a crew together and sort of directing a crew of Makeup and special effects guys to create a vision. James Cameron had already sketched out what the Terminator should look like and stuff. So using James Cameron's sketches, they brought the Terminator to life. Uh, the animatronic Arnold took six months to create. What? And then Stan Winston, you know, he went on to do uh, incredible things, winning Oscars. You know, he did Jurassic Park. and mm-hmm. Made a big dinosaur and Not familiar. Uh, yeah, so Stan Winston, one of the great guys in makeup history.
2: He was.
1: Now, did you notice there is a credit at the end of the movie thanking Harlan Ellison? No. He's a science fiction writer. And he sued James Cameron after Terminator was made for plagiarizing two Outer Limits episodes that he wrote. Really? It was settled out of court. And newer prints of the movie acknowledge Harlan Ellison, which is, you know, the Blu-ray that we watched. Uh James Cameron, though, says that the settlement was forced upon him by the producers and that he really didn't plagiarize anything. Who knows what the truth is? You saw at the beginning of the movie, Orion is the company that made the movie. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Orion wasn't really backing the movie very much. Uh, They just thought it was a cheap little movie that would just make them some money and didn't really think twice about it. And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was really upset at the way Orion Pictures kind of treated their movie. James Cameron, too, I'm sure. They did make some demands. One of the demands that Orion Pictures made was Reese to have a cyborg dog with him. (laughs) Obviously, James Cameron refused to do that. Oh, God. But one thing that they did request, which James Cameron did do, which I think was a wise decision, was to build up the relationship between Sarah and Reese. Perfect. So they make the movie. It's all put together. And the teaser trailer came out. Uh Uh-huh. And the teaser trailer had an interesting narrator.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator.
1: Terminator. It was narrated by Peter Cullen also known as Optimus Prime. Ooh, <laughs> this is before Transformers. Great
2: now. voice.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the movie came out, and it was the number one movie for a long time, and it did great, even though Orion Pictures didn't really... Put any money into the marketing of it so much because they weren't expecting it to do much, but word of mouth got it to go out there. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles Times gave it a great review saying a crackling thriller full of all sorts of gory treats loaded with (laughs) fuel-injected chase scenes, clever special effects, and sly humor.
2: Crackling.
1: So that's a little story about The Terminator.
2: Wonderful.
1: You know, it inspired sequels. We have Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, and now Terminator Dark Fate. And there was the Terminator TV show and other types oh, yeah. of spinoffs there was uh you know there's comic books there was terminator 2 3d at universal studios mm. and it's referenced in everything i'll be back is said in countless movies countless yeah. arnold movies it's in last action hero it's in the expendables it's all over the place and the terminator really put everyone on the map arnold schwarzenegger james cameron linda hamilton it all started with terminator for them
2: it all started with a terminator
1: yeah so that is the Terminator.
2: Excellent.
1: We hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about the Terminator. We want to wish it a happy thirty-fifth anniversary. Yeah. Inthia, where can everyone find us for future episodes?
2: Ah, oh, you can find us at pods and On Instagram you can find us at Pods and Monsters Podcast. And on Twitter and Facebook, we are at Pods and Monsters. That's it. That's all I got.
1: (laughs) All right. So for Pods and Monsters, I'm Robert. I'm Anthea. And I'm going to go for a walk because it's a nice night for a walk. And I have nothing clean, right?
2: It's laundry day.
1: Wash day tomorrow, yes. Wash day. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.
2: Goodbye. (laughs) Okay, bye.
0: I'll be back. Okay, who gets the burly beef?